So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 14 verses, if you follow along with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fulfillment of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on the earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who in the, is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You may be seated. Good morning, New Community Church. How's everybody doing? We awake? I want to say hello to two very special people, Jack and Hank. How you doing? Jack and Hank. How's Buck doing? Buck's doing good. My dog, Bandit, and I like to walk around the corner. They live around the corner from us, and we sometimes say hi to, to Buck and Jack and Hank. So, um, If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians, where we just read. I hope you're uh, encouraged this morning. I hope you walk away with some hope and some encouragement and uh, some... Uh, just understanding this morning of, of really one word, and that word is inheritance. Inheritance. If you only knew. If you only knew is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Just how rich you are, just how wealthy you are. Paul tells us here in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints. To the saints. First of all, you and I in Christ are saints. How many of you feel like a saint this morning? I have a friend, uh, his name's Ronnie, and on the front of his Bible, it says Saint Ronnie. And he's reminded me often, he says, you don't have to do anything to be a saint. If you're in Christ, if you have put your trust in him, you are a saint. Say, I am a saint. Your mother may tell, tell me otherwise, right? But uh, 
We are saints, and that's so encouraging. That's where I want us to start off this morning looking at. That word saint is, in the Greek is hagios. It means to be holy or righteous before God. Sometimes that's hard for us to believe. If we think about all the times we've blown it, all the times we've sinned, we, we can look at ourselves and say, I'm not a saint, right? Or I need to do better. So often we, we come to church or we're around people uh, in the church or we read scripture and we look at ourselves and we think, man, I just don't measure up. And, and there's obviously the, the truth is we don't. But at the same time, we've got to understand what we've been given in Christ. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we go on. In verse 2, it says, grace to you and the peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And he says something in verse 3. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are blessed this morning. We have everything that we need. Every spiritual blessing that God has, he tells us about in his word. It's not comprehensive here in chapter 1 of Ephesians, but throughout Scripture, we can see all the things we've been given, all the ways that, that he has given uh, himself to us. I think about a, uh, a man by the name of Carl Kistner. Carl, several years ago, was going through his grandfather's attic. His grandfather had passed away. And as he was going through the attic, he saw things like uh, old gas lamps, and he saw uh, board games, and this great big dollhouse. And underneath the dollhouse was this cardboard box. And he bent down, and he opened up this cardboard box. And inside, there were seven, 700 baseball cards. They were in mint condition. They had names like Honus Wagner and Ty Cobb and Connie Mack. You know those guys, don't you? And these cards were worth $3 million. He said, wow, what an incredible gift uh, my grandfather left to us. We didn't know, he didn't even remember they were up here probably, and, and we didn't know they were up there. There's a sense in which... We need to go up into the attic today and bring down that treasure that God has given us. All those spiritual blessings. The next thing I want us to see is in verse 4. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You are chosen. If you're in Christ, you are chosen how many of you have seen the, the series, The Chosen? Have you seen that? Anybody seen that? I would encourage you to watch that series. It's incredible. Um, thinking about the perspective that, that they have, the focus is really on uh, the disciples that were chosen. And today, you are a disciple if you're in Christ, and you are chosen by him. Uh, there was a number of years ago uh, a, a guy by the name of Mike Howerton, and Mike and his wife live in um, Washington State, and they decided that they were going to adopt a child. And he went all the way, flew all the way to um, South Africa on a fact-finding mission. He went to this particular orphanage that they were going to adopt from, and that was kind of the first part of this whole adoption process. 
And he went into the orphanage and he met a young man by the name of Thomas. Thomas was so excited because there was another family that had chosen him. And a part of the whole process for them was that they had, the family had to send a portfolio ahead. And in the portfolio, there was uh, pictures of the house and their, his new family that was going to adopt him and uh, every room. It was, it was put together in a very meticulous manner. And as Thomas was going through this, he was showing Mike, this is going to be where I'm going to live. This is going to be my new family. He was so excited. He would go from person to person and tell them about um, the fact that he had been chosen by this family. There, there is this uh, thing that I want you to get a hold of today is that God, through his word, is saying, you and I are chosen. You and I have been brought into that family. And scripture just gives us a little bit of a taste of what's coming ahead. And the more that we understand what's ahead, the more we understand how we're to live our lives in the here and now. I'm sure that Thomas has since, uh, this has been many years ago, I'm sure he's grown up in a way that he's realized how much he's loved and how much he's accepted. And God wants us to understand that today. He says that even uh, from the foundation of the world that he chose us. And he says that we should be holy and blameless before him. We are holy and blameless. We're without fault. Now, that's hard for us because we know our faults very well, don't we? At least I know I do, and I'm sure many of you do. Scripture tells us very clearly that Christ has given us his purity, his righteousness. It has been imputed to us. That means it's been imparted to us in such a way that when God looks at us, he looks at us no longer as we are. He looks at us as Christ is. I love that thought, don't you? That, that God looks at you and I no longer with all of our warts and failures and problems. He looks at us as uh, he does his son. You are holy. You are blameless. That's been imputed to you. Look at verse, uh, beginning of verse 5. It says, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Just like Thomas, we've been adopted. We've been made sons and daughters. We have full rights to everything that's his. We've got to stop and really, really understand that truth. Because the more we understand that truth, the more we live it out, the more others around us see God wants to bring them into his family, those who don't know him. But why did he do this? He did it for the purpose of his will to, in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. All of this is done so that God receives praise. The whole purpose of God's, uh, this whole universe, right, and, and his interaction with us is so that we will return praise to him. All of these things he's given us, uh, every spiritual blessing, all the, the facts that we're chosen and we're holy, we're blameless, we're adopted. Why? Because he wants the glory. He wants the praise. Verse 8 says this, or excuse me, verse uh, 6, it says, 
to the praise of his glorious grace, which he blessed us in the beloved. In verse 7, in him we have redemption. We have redemption through his blood. Think about the old hymn that Fanny Crosby wrote. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. I am redeemed. You're redeemed. There's something going on that has gone on in the heavenlies. I'm not sure exactly what it looks like, but I think God in his words sometimes takes the curtain and pulls them apart to let us see what's going on. And what's gone on is this great battle, right, between God and, and Satan. And in that battle, God has bought us back from the evil one through his blood, through his blood. We are redeemed. We are bought back. It's not anything that we've done. It's not anything we deserve, but it's simply because of what Christ has done for us. Look at there at the, the latter part of verse 7. It says, the forgiveness of our trespasses or the forgiveness of our sins according, again, to the riches of his grace. We have been redeemed. We've been forgiven. Think about the two men that went up to the temple to pray. Now, Jesus talked about these two men that go up to pray, and one goes up and he says, oh God, I thank you that I uh, I'm not like this man over here, but I give of my tithes and I, I do this and I do that. It really wasn't a prayer at all. It was just a way of him trying to, to show how righteous he was on his own. Jesus said there was another man as he's teaching his disciples that uh, went up to pray and he said he wouldn't even lift his, his face up to heaven. He, he tore his clothes and he cried out, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus asked his disciples, which of those two were just or righteous in my sight. The disciples answered correctly that it was the second man that realized his need for God's forgiveness. I was talking to a friend the other day, and we were talking about the fact that it's the people who proclaim the fact that they are just before God are the ones that are not really just, right? Or the ones that uh, before God really aren't uh, deserving, But those who will often uh, come before God and say, God, I don't deserve your mercy. Those are the ones who actually are qualified to be in God's presence. There's an irony to that, isn't there? Look at verse 8. It says this. It says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Um. I don't know what your experience is like growing up. I had a wonderful family, uh, wonderful mom and dad. But over the years, um, they've, they've grown to like this uh, almost godlike status with my children, right? And sometimes I look at my mom and think, that's not the same lady who raised me. You ever have, you know, those of you who have children and take your children to visit, you know, your parents, you're like, what, what are you doing? Right, because they, what do they do? They lavish uh, your your children with things, and it's like, don't give them that, don't do that, right? Uh, my my kids call my mom Mrs. Green, and the reason they call her Mrs. Green is because before they leave, they always know that she's going to slide a, you know, five or a ten or a twenty in their hands, right? She lavishes them uh, with stuff, and I'm like, I never got that, 
right? What is going on here? But they're lavished with love. And that's the way it is with God. He gives us so much. We're just lavished. It says, in all wisdom and insight, making known, verse 9, to us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will. There's, there's this mystery, especially as you go back in the Old Testament, there's these things that weren't understood. But in time, Paul is saying it's been revealed. This is what God's plan was all along, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ. He was saying all along, all these things in the Old Testament were pointing to what was to come to fruition, this, this time where Christ was going to come and intercede for the people he wanted to make his own. It says, he did this as a plan for the fullness of time to what? To unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Think of it this way. Think of it like a triangle. Take yourself and any other person that you have a relationship with that's in Christ. It can be a coworker, a friend, a spouse, a parent, any person that knows the Lord and you know the Lord. As you climb up that triangle, right, the closer you get to God, what's going to happen? The closer you're going to get to that person, there's a, there is a uniting that takes place. I went to a wedding last week, and it was very clear and, and, uh, that the gospel was, was shown through that whole ceremony that those two people, as they were coming together, is to be a picture of Christ and his church. And he's bringing all things together in him to unite things in heaven and on earth. Look at verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained, and here's the word, an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We have obtained this inheritance. Peter talks about it. If you turn over to 1 Peter, I want you to see this. He talks about it as well. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here it is, verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You have an inheritance that's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. Uh, you know, Carl, when, when uh, that money was dispersed, the $3 million amongst the, the grandchildren, that money at some point is going to be spent. But the, the fact that we have this inheritance that will never, ever fade away should give us such hope and such encouragement. Uh, my dad passed away a couple of years ago, and, um, you know, this may sound odd, but it was one of the best days of my life to be a part of his funeral because I thought, man, this is how you're supposed to go out. This is how you're supposed to live because this man lived his entire life 
you know, I want to praise Jesus. I, he actually wrote a book about his life, and it, the book was called To God Be the Glory. I want everything to be about his glory, everything to be about his honor, everything to be about his praise. And as, as I think about that, I think about, man, what a rich inheritance he gave to me to help me understand everything should be focused upon his praise. That's what it says there in verse 12. It says, so that we who were to be the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. It's about his glory. It's about uh, his honor. Everything that we've been given, everything that um, he's entrusted us with, all this inheritance isn't just all the things of the things that we even possess spiritually. It's also the fact that he's given us himself. I often uh, <clears throat> think about the story of Job, and you think about, man, that, that's such a terrible, terrible story to think about all the suffering he went through. But the thing about Job that I love is the fact that there was such a connection that he had between him and God. There was something going on there. The fact that he could, he could have a relationship with God and God gave him that as an inheritance and then blessed him all again the same. Look at verse 13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You've been sealed if you're in Christ. That means... You have, there's nothing you can do that's going to separate you from the love of God and Christ, as Paul tells us in Romans 8. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus in such a way that there's nothing you can do to break that bond. That's an incredible, incredible truth. Verse 14 says, who is the guarantee, he's guaranteed it, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory Paul keeps coming back to this theme over and over again to the praise of his glory why did God do all of this he sealed us he guaranteed it think about Jesus when he went to the cross and he's dying and the last thing he says what it is finished it is finished it's sealed it's done there's nothing that can take you away from what Christ has done for you. It reminds me of a story my dad used to tell me about my, my grandfather, who I never met. He passed away a few years before I was born, and he had a uh, store, an old general store down in eastern Kentucky in the hills, and um, my dad said they were so poor that when the Depression hit, they didn't feel it. That was poor. He said, we, we would get a pair of shoes in the, um, in the fall and wear them to school and then go barefoot um, all, all summer. He said, we were very, very poor. And I think part of that was the fact that early on, my, my grandfather was an alcoholic, and he really struggled. And my grandmother did not give up on him. She prayed for him diligently. And in his early 40s, he, he did a total 180. He came to Christ, and his, his whole life changed. And he became a man of tremendous grace and love. And it really changed the trajectory of my dad's life and, and in my life. But I'm so thankful for my grandma that she didn't give up. She kept praying for him. 
And there was a story that my dad would tell, um, and I, I remember him telling it often, about a man that would come into the store. And my, my grandpa um, was a very giving, uh, loving person. And he would often um, allow people to come in during the Depression and get some flour or you know, some other item that they needed and just you know, uh, write in his ledger, you know, we'll, we'll pay you later. So we'd, they'd get it on credit. And Clark was blind, and he, he came in and ran up quite a large bill. And one day uh, he came in, and he said, uh, Nathan, he said, you're going to have to send me to jail. And my grandfather laughed, and he's like, why am I going to have to send you to jail, Clark? And he said, well, he said, I can't, can't repay you. And, of course, my grandfather knew that. And so he said, I tell you what, Clark, he said, I know you can't see this, but I'm going to write in this ledger here, paid in full. And I think about, I'm that blind man, Clark. You are the blind person, right? That, that you cannot, there's no way that you can repay the debt that you owe to God. But it's only through Christ, what he's imputed to us, what he's given to us, we are holy. We, we are righteous. We are pure. We are all the things that it says we are here and, and so much more. If we can get a hold of that today and hold on to that, we'll live in such a way that we can extend that grace and love to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth this morning of your word. Thank you for the fact that um, we don't have to perform for you to love us. You love us like a child that um, just comes and sits in your lap. And Lord, uh, we've been adopted. We've been chosen. We've been brought into your family because we've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we claim that in a fresh way today. I pray that you will extend your grace to us in fresh ways today and we'll extend that grace to those around us. Thank you for these precious truths, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.